0: irreverent, over the top and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black show. I'm Rob Black talking retirement. Talking about wealth preservation. Make it last as long as you can make it last. 2022 has been a very interesting year where we went from the transitory inflation with maybe three interest rate hikes to fastest pace of interest rate hikes we've ever seen. We've done 3 75 basis point hikes <clears throat> along with a couple more. So kind of we've seen inflation for the first time in 20 years. It's it's been a long time since we've seen this kind. Again, we see stock market inflation, we don't mind that. We see home price appreciation, we don't mind if we live in the home. But if we're renters we're like ah oh, so We've seen inflation, just not the type that's consumer-oriented. Now, I felt like the market was trying to find a bottom yesterday. It didn't get volatile enough, but we, we brought up another thing. Instead of inflation and interest rates, we brought up the dollar. We're finding everything to make us miserable that we could find. and To me, that's kind of the exploring the bottom process. Um rarely does one bottom hold without being tested. And when it tests and it succeeds, you tend to see a lot of people whoosh in and say, okay, well, it, it held At least I feel comfortable knowing that it held. It's just a psychology. It's a, a second guessing kind of game. So let's talk a little bit about retirement and questions you should ask your financial advisor. This is a time to talk with your financial pl- advisor in the down years, just like in the good years. I had way too much cash on hand at the start of the year and it was a problem because I saw the market hitting 70 new highs last year. Doesn't feel like a problem anymore. Using a financial advisor for your investments, you need to be 100% sure that you're both on board with some simple things. A third of people ages 64 and up have a financial advisor, but only 2% of them ask their financial advisor for help with their Medicare choices. Medicare and other non-portfolio topics like travel and long-term care can affect your finances. So you have to bring that to the financial advisor sometimes. A good one, a CFP is going to come to you and say, okay, this is more than just about your portfolio. Let's talk. You know, some healthcare costs, some long-term travel costs, long-term care. Merging two ideas together. We're gonna get you around the world, but you're gonna be in a bed. No. Um. Here's some questions for your next meeting with your financial planner. Is what retirement decisions do you think I need to talk about? Your life in retirement may continue as it has in the past. Uh, do you plan to travel more do you intend to move to a different state do you intend to downsize how often will you buy a new vehicle most people just think i need a certain amount of money to live on what about all the ancillary things that come along with living mapping your retirement plans can help do you have an idea of where you're going to move to um for me i'm not that advanced yet but I have a house with some steps and I've got size 14 feet. That is not a good combination to be elderly in. Now, I truly believe that steps will keep you alive until you get to the point where you lose your balance and steps will kill you. I think going up and down steps a couple times a day is a nice little workout. Here's something you should talk to your financial advisor about. What do I need to know about Medicare? Again, has nothing to do with the stock market. Generally speaking, you can't sign up for Medicare until you're closer to 65 years old. Your income in all the years beforehand will affect what you pay for coverage. Each year, both Medicare Part B and Medicare Part D base their premiums on your reported modified adjusted gross income from the two prior years. So if you filed individually making more than $91,000 or filed jointly making more than $182,000, you'll pay additional amounts. Isn't that a kick in the teeth? Like you're successful in retirement and you have to pay more because, well, you were more successful than the person next to you. Kind of a kick in the teeth, I feel. I just don't feel like our taxes, I don't mind paying taxes. I really, really don't. If you saw my tax return, you'd say, you really don't mind paying taxes. When they get seniors like that, like, didn't I pay taxes on the income I earned off this years and years and years ago? So Medicare is a thing. And that's gonna blend in social security and it's going to blend in health savings accounts um you need to know about it, and you need to th- it's not about the stock market it's not about your portfolio size and there's a little bit of a math test involved which after you're thirty, you're pretty much so like a bad Jennifer Garner movie. I'm never going back to being a teenager again and doing math. <laughs> Self-insurance. A person turning 65 now has a 70% chance of needing some long-term care. It's $54,000 for an assisted living facility and nearly $95,000 for a shared room in a nursing home. Some people are well enough off that they're comfortable self-insuring that area. No matter what the case, it's crucial that you discuss potential costs and how you're going to manage them with your financial advisor. You can get a hybrid long-term care policy you can get life insurance. You can get a long-term care writer on that. Uh, if you're wealthy, you have more options than if you're not. But you need to ask the questions. If you can't have your financial advisor talk to you about long-term care, you need a different financial advisor. Um, here's how much fun I, I have talking about long-term care. None. Do you know how many times I talk about it on the air? Very little. People like CFP Chad Burton... CFP, Stephanie Richmond, they have to do extensive coursework to be able to advise their clients. Here's a great question. I have enough money to have some fun. A successful retirement isn't always about the tangibles. For many, it's time to realize dreams of travel and other experiences, but spending too frugally can get in the way. Often clients are overly conservative for fear of running out of money, but in the process, they shortchange the retirement experience. Uh, by the time they realize it, you're too old to spend the money. Um, my financial planner talked to me and I talked to him pretty honestly. And again, it's a little discouraging because you realize you're getting older. And he goes, what's your budget? And I said, oh, it's been a tough year on entertainment. I'm breaking the bank there. Um, and he's like, can we get that under control? I'm like, no, it's probably going to be my area of indulgence um I like going to live music with my children. I think the the arena experience is pretty darn cool with your kids, and you're seeing how they're going to go out in life and meet a mate. And it's it's wonderful to go through. But I had to have a conversation about my budget and areas that I'm going to be bad. He said, "Rob, you're not going to be able to spend all your money, and you're going to leave a lot to your children. So don't stress. You can spend it, spend it now while you can enjoy it." He's the same guy who got me into the the winter house a couple of years ago. He's like, get a cabin. Your kids will remember it forever. Get a cabin. And I'm like, that's not good financially. And it was great financial advice. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Last night, NASA pulled off a kind of a cool little stunt. They rammed a spacecraft into an asteroid 7 million miles away. In a test to see whether it could successfully redirect a space rock that posed a threat to the Earth, they put some English on it. They lined it up. Pink. And it moved. Interesting, right? I can't can't even imagine how smart you have to be to work in that field. Let's just say it's going to be a little bit higher than than working in my field. I'm good because I outwork you. I'm not smarter because I was born with a a brain freakishly too big. I just like getting up early, staying up late and studying. It's a a plus. NASDAQ, SP, and Dow all lower yesterday. The Dow entered into technically a bear market, down 20% from its recent highs. NASDAQ already did that. The SP500 already did that. The Russell 2000 already did that. In a way, maybe it's what the market needs to put in a bottom. Oil was down big yesterday on fears of world recessions. Remember that student loan cancellation that Joe Biden has pushed through? Could cost the government over a decade $400 billion. What I fear on it is it's also going to create more inflation. If you tell people they don't have to pay back their loans, what do they do? They go and spend money. They they rarely go, you know what, I'm gonna put this all into the savings account. Maybe they'll buy homes. That's good, 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 good. But maybe they'll also spend. So that's out there as far as getting some pushback and getting people upset. Some other headlines of note yesterday Snowden got a Russian passport. A story that I just don't care about. Um Anxiety is reigning in Britain, not because the queen is dead, but because they got a new form of government that said, you know, back when Reaganomics was a thing in the 1980s where you basically do massive tax cuts for businesses, you make the businesses much more competitive with other businesses in the world. Um, and you, you get the wealthy, wealthier and they go out and spend money and services on the non-wealthy and it trickles down to them is the idea. But this new plan that was introduced was met with a big thud, and everyone wants out of the British pound. The pound got pounded. <laughs> Aren't people clever in my industry? Um, interesting to note that I'm seeing Canada say that you do not, you no longer have to have a vaccine requirement to enter the country. Japan said it's going to end its 50,000-day visitor cap on, and ban its individual travelers starting October 11. Um, Hong Kong scrapped its quarantine at a hotel the second-you-get-here policy. So it's kind of opening up in the world. I feel that's nice. Um, Let's get into today's headlines and trying to bounce off yesterday's bear market for the Dow. I like markets that retest. I like the fact that the market freaked out about the dollar versus the pound yesterday because that's a new one. I'm not saying that we're getting desperate to find villains, but we're finding the villains in, in kind of goofy ways. The SP 500 has declined 15%. The NASDAQ has dropped 17.7% since mid-August. The 10-year treasury has risen 106 basis points in that period of time. U.S. dollar index is up 7.1%, making a great investment of probably the one way that most people will never figure out how to invest properly. You can't just go after a big company that has those business in dollars. Chicago Fed President Evans is garnering some attention today as possible catalyst in psychology. He's acknowledging in an interview with CNBC Europe that he's a little nervous the Fed could be raising rates too much, too quickly. Nonetheless, in the absence of further external shocks, he remains cautiously optimistic that the US can avoid a recession. So there you got it. You have one Fed member who is now a trial balloon for does it calm the markets down? Federal Reserve does not want to be on record as saying that Inflation was transitory, and then they raised rates too much because they're too far behind the curve, and they've destroyed an economy in the process. Cleveland Fed President Meister, who is an FOMC voter this year, stated that the policy rate needs to be a restrictive level for longer to bring inflation down and to make sure inflation expectations do not move up. We are seeing rents come down, and we are seeing home prices drop fast. We've never seen home prices drop this fast. That That's impressive. How fast are they cooling? I think it's better to say they're cooling fast, right? Because on a year-over-year basis, they're still up 15% year-over-year. Well down, though, from the 18% gain the previous month. So it's cooling fast. Oh, interesting side note. Lumber prices have now fallen back to their pre-COVID levels, bringing two value fours back to what they cost before the pandemic, pointing to the sharp slowdown in construction. July's year over year gains were lower compared with June in each of the cities covered in the index of the Case Shiller. So you're seeing a a two to 3% deceleration fast. If you're expecting to get out in the next two years, I would do it sooner than, than later of a home that you own. I would consider doing it. Let me let me put it. I would strongly consider doing it. If you're like, ah, I'm going to sell my house in two years. Because uh, I, I think real estate has a ways to fall. As a guy who owns real estate, as a guy who's made good money on real estate, I, I'm sober enough to tell you that. Tampa, Miami, Dallas, saw the highest annual gains with increases of 31, 31, and 24%. Washington, D.C., Minneapolis, and San Francisco saw the smallest gains, but still well above year-year levels. Home prices are dropping rapidly because affordability has weakened dramatically due to the fast rising mortgage rates. To get a mortgage of 500000 it's about 70% more expensive this year than last year. And I've never seen a move like that either. So on one hand, you get the Cleveland Fed president saying, you know, I'm not you got you got two feds officials yesterday talking today. I'm sorry, this morning. One saying that he's worried that we're moving too far too fast. And one saying we got to fight inflation for longer than we what we want to at higher rates. And we're already starting to see the important inflation number come down. But we need six months of it to be more of a trend instead of two months anything you want to talk about we talk about i think the lower lumber prices are important because last year at this time we were talking about how lumber prices were so exaggerated that a lot of construction companies were pouring the foundation of concrete and then just leaving this job undone until lumber prices came down I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online. If you need a referral to a financial planner, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I put up a very long-form interview yesterday with E.P. Wells, Director of Portfolio Strategy. If you want to know where we're thinking on the market and what we've done in the last year, it's a tell-all at YouTube Rob Black Show. It's Rob Black Show at YouTube. I'm Rob Black. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Stocks are rebounding today after the Dow entered a bear market technically yesterday. Um I guess you could say it's a flag. I guess you could say it's part of the process. I would not have qualified that as as big of an event for one day as today. It's okay. Um I really want to see people give up. And I think the fact that we're now we're okay with inflation. We understand it. We understand rents are coming down. We understand home prices are coming down. We need airfares to come down, but there's a lot of pent-up demand. And it would be also nice if air airlines could make money. So there, there's ways we can like deal with most of this process and put it in a box and move on. Um, But the fact that we're now talking a strong dollar it's never been an issue in my investing career, and now it is. I'm like, oh, last time the strong dollar was an issue was the early 80s. I'm like, I was, I was in high school. So we're going to get through it. Um, but I feel like the the negatives are, are fall very, very thin after that. So let's move on to Elon Musk and Twitter. They're set to argue over unresolved information requests. Um, there is some kind of weird story that Elon Musk was texting Larry Ellison into the early morning hours before announcing his Twitter purchase was on hold. Dun, dun, dun. The Oracle co-founder is a longtime friend of Musk and pledged $1 billion to the deal. Twitter is arguing Musk's legal team is withholding text messages. It subpoenaed related to the deal. Musk's phone copy records show that he exchanged multiple text messages with Larry Ellison between 12 20 a.m. on may 13th uh for four hours and then he announced the deal on twitter that it was it was in limbo so he was talking to him the day before a couple hours before and um from what i'm hearing that Muscle's gonna lose this case and he's gonna be forced by tesla not tesla twitter um and from what i'm hearing twitter is it's it's a poop show right now. People are quitting managements, just you know leaving stuff undone. Twitter's legal team has accused Musk of destructive destruction of evidence and showed a screenshot of a signal message between Musk and Mark Andreessen on funding for the deal. The screenshot appears to show that Tesla CEO set his messages to delete after a designated period of time. Um, they're saying that Musk set to, to delete to keep anticipate litigation and counterclaims at a minimal. Um, I don't know. This is just has, you know, it stinks. It's the people who work at Twitter. I couldn't imagine being a cafeteria worker or a secretary or an engineer at Twitter and thinking, you know, this is a great place to be. The only reason I'm here is my mortgage. And, uh oh. <laughs> Is Twitter gonna implode? I I think the odds are starting to increase that they implode if the deal has to be sent through. And if you're Twitter right now, you want the deal absolutely to go through. And or you're asking for ten billion, you're asking him to give a big chunk of change as a penalty, so she can try to remedy some of the negativity that has befallen the be crested your stock. That was a board of directors who just doesn't get it. And he knew surprisingly quiet, Dorsey. Um, he once referred to Elon Musk as the best option for Twitter. Uh, Twitter has been around for 20 years, and they've never been able to figure out how to monetize that. I think it's, it's, a, it's, not, it's not a business. Um, people do business on it. Everyone I know uses Twitter um, to say, hey, I got a video out that I recorded yesterday with uh, a financial guy check it out. Check it out. If they were to charge me $3 a month, I'd say, absolutely. And if you can verify me, and if you can stop people from attacking me, who I just set non-verified comments off, I'd love it. Bit of a sad sign of the times story to to report. Best Buy at Home Depot are locking up goods in an effort to fight theft. And all that's going to do to me is keep me out of the stores because I find it discouraging and depressing to go into a store and to say, you know, what I need is a Fitbit or what I need is uh, some speakers. I go to where the speakers are, I find my speakers and they're not there and I have to go find someone to go, uh, I'd like a pair of Bose speakers from my backyard. And he goes, Let me find a manager for you. And he gets on his radio. And 10 minutes later, someone comes out and is like, You want this one? I'm like, no, I wanted that one. Um, and it's it's a big challenge for retail right now, is theft. And I think we've all seen some of the smash and grabs of that have made it on the local news. They're shocking. I don't carry a gun. I don't know if that's a surprise to you or not. But if someone were to smash and grab in front of me, I think I would get defensive of the store. I, I, I don't want to die like trying to protect Home Depot, but if I I just don't like theft either. It's inherently really, really freaks me out when people steal from others. You you can do horrible things to your kids, I don't care. But when you steal from another person, that bothers me. And I kind of want to cut your hand off. Like that's the kind of justice I would be that is hand off. So Best Buy says it's isn't locking up more items overall than in the past, but it continues to do so where needed. Home Depot has been locking up more items while testing other solutions. They track high-risk goods and lock them up items in regions of stores being hit hardest. Putting products in cages certainly deters theft, but it also hinders sales. I don't like the I, it's heartbreaking for me to go into a store and get depressed. All I want to do is buy a drill. Best Buy declined to comment on the story for the Wall Street Journal but around $69.9 billion worth of products were stolen from retailers in 2019. Theft surged after stores reopened early in the pandemic. Retail industry executives uh, had a problem on their hands. So they're trying to get more online business because that's cuts down on theft, obviously. Stores have been understaffed due to the tight labor market or staffing choices. You understaff your store, a big store like Best Buy, you're gonna get some punk kids walking around stealing stuff it's just watchful eyes are watchful eyes and people don't want to get caught but if you can't afford to pay watchful eyes then people are going to lift stuff from you like I, I don't even like going into a cvs health i get stressed out and i think cvs health is turning out to be a really interesting stock i should mention that not because their retail business but because their pharmacy business on top of it their prescription benefits business but when I go into a CVS health store, I feel like, oh, yeah, this is okay, Here, here's a good example. Uh, went into a CVS with my son, and it was probably to get like a sports drink for soccer. And he saw that someone had opened half a had chocolate milk and drank half and put it back in the cooler. And he says, that's sad. And I'm like, it is sad. And it, it made me sad to hear my son be sad. So it was just a real sad feeling that day. I know you're saying you need some to get back on your medication. Yeah, I don't like the whole um, retail theft story. It it bothers me that that's a headline today. Um, I think a headline that I should hit a little bit further and a little bit harder is lumber prices falling back to pre-COVID levels. This is important to get us to where we need to go. Because during COVID, it was one of the stories that really shocked Americans. Lumber prices now 70% off their peak. Lumber prices are falling 70% off their peak. In 2021, people wanted lumber to the tune of $1,600 for 1,000 board feet. Now it's at $400 for 1,000 board feet. Wood prices crashed in the early days of the 2020 lockdown, but they exploded the summer when stuck-at-home Americans remodeled en masse. Wood pricing, where you frame lumber, it tracks cash sales in several species, fell last week to $529, down from more than 60% from early March. But now that supply issues have eased, it's the high mortgage rates, highest in more than a decade, that have slowed home sales and cut down on the demand for lumber. This is stuff that's fun. All the urgency over the past two years of give me anything, you can give me anything, that's over. Lumber yards are not scared of prices going up. The sexy lumber world is coming to an end. I know you're saying the sexy lumber world, when lumber was at $1,600 per 4,000 board feet. That's a pretty sexy environment if you're a lumber yard person. I know you're saying, do you want to work in a lumber yard, Rob? I really don't. I don't really like getting um, my hands dirty. Well, <laughs> you at like, I'd, I'd get splinters. I, I'm pretty sure I'd get splinters. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Let's take a look at the markets. The story is price action in the currency market is supporting a rebound effort. Buying in short term, oversold condition. You get dueling feds today, but Chicago Fed President Evans. Acknowledged being a little bit nervous that the Fed's raising rates too much too fast. Now, some people would say that Jay Powell, or as I'm calling him this week, Jay Boom Boom Powell, has gotten the narrative. He's in control of it. We're raising rates, and we're going to keep them there. Damn it! We're fighting inflation. Damn it! We're going to keep raising rates until inflation's dead. Damn it! That's the he's taken that narrative. So for Fed Chairman that chairman, for Fed President Evans to say, we might be pushing ourselves too fast into a recession. It's a slight trial balloon for where does the narrative go next? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Apartment rents are falling from a record highs. Across the United States for the first time in nearly two years, offering the prospect of relief to millions of Americans who've been seeing steep increases during the pandemic. August department asking rents nationally fell one-tenth of a percent from July. It's the first monthly decline in rent since December 2020. Okay, August department rents fell one-tenth of a percent, and that's a party? Well, you factor that out over 12 months, and you see that it is kind of a party. Rent.com showed a 2.8% decrease in rent for a one-bedroom apartment during the same month. A third measure by listing's website, Realtor.com, also noted a slightly monthly decline in rent um, in the month of August. So we're starting to see some moderating in factors, but we're also seeing a moderating in rent prices, including we're seeing new apartment construction with weakening consumer sentiment that might be discouraging people from signing more expensive apartment leases. Um it is interesting that the housing market it's pretty dynamic considering it's a pretty, you know, static kind of thought. But as people want to buy new homes and they look in their the home that they want's 500,000 and they go, well, let's borrow 500,000 or 400,000 and It's 70% more expensive this year than last year to borrow that same amount of money. So they go, you know what? I'm just going to stay in my rental. Let's talk briefly on the crypto correction. Um, I'm well known that I don't understand crypto as well as I should. I've put a lot of work into Bitcoin and Ethereum. The summer has seen chaos in the cryptocurrency markets with major corrections in digital currency. You've seen former Clinton-era Labor Secretary Robert Reich say he believes the events highlight the need for extensive new regulation for the market, including potentially treating cryptocurrencies as a security. The result would be to strangle this new industry, push it overseas. What would happen to it? We have a lot of people working in crypto now. I see that as maybe meaning it's a little bit too entrenched than to say that it's going to zero. So Robert Reich says we need to monitor it as a security or maybe as a commodity. Crypto's dramatic rise and disruptive impact has created challenges. Um, I've seen some regulators say all the coins should be banned um, and just stick with Bitcoin and let, let, let those two stand. I'm like, I don't think it works that way, Congress. But all things considered, cryptos held up, and I, I'm not here to say that I'm buying because I'm not. um There's a lot of ways to make money in this world, and I don't need that. But if you're a bargain hunter and you see that Bitcoin's held not eighteen thousand, nineteen thousand, twenty thousand, and the Nasdaq's held on its down move, you could kind of say, hmm. This might be an exaggerated play up, but again, the people are saying that it's going to go to $500,000. they are just insane. Um, they just want to be posers. I think Michael Saylor is one of the biggest idiots in the room. Um, and it's, that's the way I'm going to say it nicely. I've not been impressed with him in his last 30 years. As a guy who follows Wall Street and the players, his company MicroStrategy is a bit of a joke. He tried to get MicroStrategy to be really, really ultra, like the place to go to if you needed a Y2K stock. Y2K stocks were, we were fearful that computers, when they hit the year zero, 2000, that instead of taking someone's age, they are born in 63 and there it's 1999. So you could figure out the math really simple. But when you do it from zero to 63, negative 60, so he's negative 63. No, that's not quite the way we want to do it. And he got on CNBC and he's pushing fear. He's like, planes are gonna fall out of the sky, and clocks aren't gonna work, and we have real, real fears that you know nuclear codes were, were programmed in the uh, 1950s Cold War era won't won't be able to handle the, the the year change. Interesting things, right? Not really. I just think he's kind of a big fool. Um, storm stocks. This weekend, we're going to see Hurricane Ian, I believe is his name, Ian, and Generac might get in play. Generac is a stock that I talked about when we started talking about hurricane season. Um, Stock is up 6% today. Was that enough of a move to entice you hurricanes can move stocks or do you need more? Because in the last three or four days, it's gone from about 170 to 190. I know I have your attention, right? I don't know in Generac, but I could certainly see why people are going with generators, with the electrical grid in Texas being what it is, and wildfires in California. The problem with wildfires is when you lose your electricity, you also tend to lose your natural gas. So you have to have a generator that works on something that's not counting on natural gas being pumped in. I have a father-in-law who bought a generator that runs on natural gas to keep his house generating electricity, but he did it the wrong way. (laughs) He didn't get an independent standing unit, he got one that was built into a, a gas pipeline. So when they lost power due to wildfires, they also lost natural gas. Um, but also, I like looking at some of these big institutional power manufacturing kind of companies. Um, I like looking at like LG Chemical and Inphase Energy and Honeywell. Inphase Energy makes a lot of inverters. Cummins Engines makes a lot of industrial engines. They're not sexy stocks in any way, shape, or form, but they're all about the power outages and power grid. Inphase um, engages in the design, development, manufacturing, sale of microinverters for the solar industry they should be very well positioned for the next 10 years um, with the biden administration's policy on solar roofs so in phase energy is a play on solar and solar installations and clean energy and solar batteries solar panels just take a look at in phase it might jump on you as "ooh, that's a no-brainer up 60% this year. Feel like you're chasing that performance? Be careful. You can always scale in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.